Welcome back to the Upper Tier Podcast, the football podcast we bring you each and every week on YouTube. Head over there, smash that subscribe and bell notification button. Audio versions show are available through Spotify, Google Podcasts and Amazon Music. And if you'd like to contact the show, you'll get us on Gmail, the Upper Tier Podcast. You'll get us on Twitter at the underscore upper underscore tier. And you'll also find us on Facebook and Instagram, the Upper Tier and we're having a lot of fun these days out on TikTok as well, the Upper Tier Podcast. Joining me tonight for an AFCON preview. Darren, how are we? Good evening, Brother Noel. How are we tonight? We are good, my man. We are good. Um, this, was, um, this was a suggestion from yourself, because um, I noticed that a lot of um, football channels and podcasts out there don't seem to be putting a lot of coverage into the AFCON, but we had spoke about it a few weeks ago. Um, yeah. We know some of the quality of the players that are heading away. We did have a look at it in terms of the impact it would have on the Premier League through the month of January, which yeah. was quite startling when we went and went through with the players that were involved in going away. Um, so where do we begin? I mean, do you, wanna, do you want me to run down through the groups? Yeah, just like, I mean, for me, this is an absolute festival of football. You know, really, really is. Um, I think the good thing about something like the, uh, the AFCON is they, they hold a slightly bigger group stage, which means as a lot of the smaller nations get a get a turn on the big stage, which is nice, you know. And yeah. um, they've got they've got six uh, groups of four, and it's your top two from each group, and then it's your four best uh, runners up make it to the the round of sixteen. So you do end up with some smaller teams as long uh, along with the bigger kind of nations, you know what I mean? Um, and it's good because there is a smattering of talent all over the continent of Africa. You know what I mean? It's not just the strongholds of like Nigeria and the Ivory Coast and Senegal. And, um, you know, we see today like Bikino Faso played, Bertrand Traore, who plays for Aston Villa, plays there. Um, Cameroon obviously played today, Ethiopia. Um, like it was, and, and the Cape Verde Islands, that game is just finished actually. So yeah, it was, it's a great to see it underway. Like this is, this is their Euros basically, you know? Mm. This is their Euros, and, and uh, it should be given the respect it deserves, really, shouldn't yeah. it? Yeah, absolutely. The one thing I like about it as well, one, one thing I've mentioned as well is that I think this emerging continent that's producing some fabulous footballers is really beginning to take its seat at FIFA and stuff like that, you know? Slauncha. Slauncha, as always. Um, but I, what I really like about it as well, apart from the football as well, is it gives you kind of an insight into the culture of the different countries. <clears throat> And like, like it's, yeah. it's such a colourful tournament and stuff like that. And of course, we see it as well, even when we go to the World Cup and you see the African teams that have made it to the World Cup. The fans are so colourful. It's a festival. It's a carnival. It's, you know, it's that ultimate that ultimate month away or two weeks away or however long they last and stuff like that. And I really, li- I really like that whole aspect <clears throat> of it as well. Um, and, 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 and you know, thing not I- only that, the one thing I looked as well is a lot of these countries that are competing in it, you know, a lot of them are war-torn countries. They've had rebellions and coups and all that kind of stuff. But yet, football being football, what it is, rises above that and brings people together in that moment of sport. And I really love that about it as well. Yeah, that's that's a really good point, you know, um, I have to say. Um, it's great to see some of those countries that have been torn apart through war and stuff like that and and, and political, um, you know, political factions and stuff like that it's great to see them get their seat at the table and and you know to be honest with you like this is a really tough competition to win though um you know I, I watched the first couple of games today obviously um 
the pitches aren't great. The pitches really, really aren't great, mm. um, which makes the standard of football a little more difficult. And you're playing in horrific heat. Now, absolutely horrific heat. I mean, a lot of these lads would be used to this kind of heat, but you're 20 minutes into the Burkina Faso Cameroon game, and it looks like the lads have just gotten out of the shower. The jerseys are absolutely stuck to them. And, mm. um, you know, and it's so competitive. The work rate is phenomenal, even in that heat, you know. Anything that it lacks in, you know, quality, it makes up for in heart determination. And, you know, mm. the, the, those guys are really going out there and representing their countries, which is, you know, it's what we want to see from international football, isn't it? Yeah, and I think when they get to the stage, anyone I think who reaches a semi-final or a final in this, they've really put in a month of a shift of work, really. Um, both in terms of, I mean, they get virtually no time at all to climatise. I mean, they're literally getting off a plane, a couple of training sessions and bang, they're straight into the first round of group games. Um, yeah. and, and especially in the current environment as well, where we know that the variant is, is rife and stuff like that and all. And it, it's really difficult. But yeah, they're pushing on, just like the Premier League and anywhere else is pushing on, trying to provide us with football and keep us entertained. So hats yeah. off to them in, in the fact that it's going ahead. But I'd say it's very difficult for guys, the likes of Mo Salah or any of those guys in the Premier League who basically live in the UK, to climatise back into that to kind of play. But then I suppose it's no different if you had European teams heading over to play World Cups in Mexico or wherever it is. or something. And you know what? It, it might be a really nice return for them, you know, to yeah. head back to to head back to the, the continent and stuff mm. like that and, and re-acclimatise and, and maybe yeah. get back in touch with their roots and stuff like that and, mm. and ground themselves a little bit because we know yeah. about the Premier League and, and the way these guys are treated. You know, they're, they're pampered kids uh, almost you know and yeah. I wouldn't imagine there's as much of that in the international stage over here and I think you know there's a lot more where you're carrying your own bags and you're doing this and you're you know and and you know this can help guys it really can yeah, it puts a bit uh, of grounding in it doesn't it it does and 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 you know it puts a lot of perspective into it as well you know that yeah. the way they're treated there and they're in a such a privileged position in the Premier League and stuff mm. like that you know yeah. Also, one thing we've often spoken about is the fact that there isn't an awful, pride, an awful lot of pride on the international scene in terms of putting on that jersey and that badge on you and stuff like that. But I think with this guys, when these guys go back, I mean, when you think of the likes of Mo Salah and Sadio Mane and some of the Riyad Mahrez, these big players, they go back there. They really care about their country and stuff like that. And it's even shown through on the charity work and everything that they do. So yeah, absolutely fantastic tournament. And I'm really, really. Even though I'm a Liverpool fan, I'm really, really happy that it's gone ahead. And uh, yeah, and it's it's well deserved, you know. Um, but let's let's get into the groups and have a look at the groups. As you said earlier, Cameroon and, and Burkina Faso, Cape Verde and Ethiopia kicked off the tournament today with the first two uh, matches. Um, so that was Group A. Group B is Senegal, Zimbabwe, Guinea and Malawi. Group C is Morocco, Ghana, Gabon and Comoros. I hope I'm pronouncing these right. So if we have any African fans or any African viewers, if we're not pronouncing it right, let us know in the comments. Uh, Egypt, Group D, Egypt, Nigeria, Sudan, and Guinea-Bissau. Group E is Algeria, Ivory Coast, Sierra Leone, Ecuadorial Guinea. And Group F is Tunisia, Mali, Gambia, and Mauritania. I think I got that right, that last one, Mauritania. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they're, they're the kind of groups. I mean, obviously for us as Premier League fans and stuff like that, I mean, the obvious ones to go to us, the Senegals and the Egypts and Algeria and those type of ones and all. But, yeah. Uh, um, 
thoughts on it in terms of players and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, and that's something I mentioned to you. Like, uh, it's almost like every team has at least one kind of a standout player that you could go, oh, wow, I didn't know he was playing. You know what I mean? And mm. and it could be a little bit of a night. There's Bikino Faso earlier, like the boy Bertrand Traore. He was, he's obviously at Aston Villa now, but he was at Leon. He's a serious footballer, this kid. Um, he would be the kind of talisman for Bikino Faso. Um, got the assist earlier on um, for the goal. And they took the lead against Cameroon, but unfortunately gave away the penalty for the equaliser as well. Um, yeah. It was 1-1, and then there was another penalty given away. And that game finished 2-1 to Cameroon. Vincent Abubakar, um of Al Nasser, who, who he spent six years at Porto. You know, we've seen him in the Champions League. Good footballer, strong, you know. Um, Andre Anana was back for the Cameroon, obviously after his uh, exploits at Ajax. He'd been on a doping ban for the last couple of months um, and then there was there was quite a few there's quite a few big big players uh, as we go through the rounds you know you've got your Manes and your Salas you've got your Partes you've got your Riyad Mahrez your, uh, you don't have your Hakim Ziyech um, he's actually been left out of the um, he's been left out of the the Morocco squad um, he's had a, a little fallout with the coach there you know um, and, and they haven't brought him which for Chelsea is that's a, yeah, that's a nice little win. That's, yeah. that's a nice little win for Chelsea. He got on the score yeah. sheet yesterday, obviously, you know. So that's mm. a big win for them. And um, when when they're missing quite a few players, you know, um, Mendy as well. Mendy's away with with Senegal, um, and and there's a lot of kind of up and coming footballers. A lot of a lot of younger guys, you know, that are um, that are gonna use this stage to further their careers. I'd imagine, you know, if everybody. <clears throat> If we get through these group stages unscathed with COVID, you know, you could be looking at some of these lads maybe getting a move in January off the back of their performances in these group games. Yeah. Um, you know, spores of a guy there, Pape Sar, they signed him in the summer from Mets, paid big, big money for him. And he's been loaned back there for now. But I mean, mm. Spore, he's a he's a tricky sort of a winger and Spores have paid a lot of money yeah. for him. Yeah. Um, there's um, who else? We've got the boy, obviously Thomas Partey at Arsenal. You've got the Carl Toto at Cambe at uh, at Cameroon, and another lad being looked at by United, uh, Amadou Hadara. Uh, he plays for Mali. Uh, obviously, like there's, there's just quality everywhere you look, yeah. you know. And then uh, we, we, really... we've hardly even mentioned Salah, Mane, Kate, you know, Aubameyang. Uh, you, know, you know, we haven't we haven't we haven't touched on any of them even. Absolutely. Yet, you know? So I mean, it's there's a plethora of talent there, isn't mm. there? Yeah, absolutely. And it is really, really is. it is really a shop window for some of these guys as well, isn't it? Um, maybe some of these guys that are applying their trade in France or in some of the lower leagues might might shine in this and become a star, and an agent might see them and go, you know, something fancy him or something like that. You know, hundred percent. They could get that huge move that they've dreamed of. You know. And I mean, like if if you're playing at one of the one of the kind of second tier sides in in France, or if you're playing in Belgium, or if you're playing in Holland or somewhere like that, this is a massive shop window for you. Where you know those those three group games, three big performances, all of a sudden it's, it sparks a little bit of interest, and and then maybe you make it, you make the next step. Maybe you get to Ligue 1, maybe you get to the Premier League, maybe you get to the Championship. And you can build from there, you know. Um, and like, I mean, even if we talk about, you know, there's a couple of players not there. Obviously, Hakim Ziyech we spoke about, but our boy's big, 
big favourite of ours, Emmanuel Dennis. Um, mm. He wasn't released by Wofford yeah. because they they said the, the call-up for the international duty came too late. It was after the date where they had to be notified of it and they didn't release him. Um, mm. Now, he missed yesterday's game. Um, I believe he, he's carrying a knock, but has this upset the, the apple cart a little bit with not being allowed to go off for this country? It could do. It could do, especially when you see those other top players in the league heading off to represent their country. As we talk about this festival of colourful culture or football, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and I mean, a guy like Dennis as well. I mean, Watford are having their problems like a lot of teams. Um, so maybe he could shine in this tournament and maybe come summer, someone might want the boy, you know? Well, I mean, he's he's shone in the Premier League so far, hasn't he? Absolutely. Let's be honest. Yeah. Um, he's definitely one of the standout um, additions to the league this year. Mm. He's, he's a first-timer in the Premier League and, and he hasn't looked out of place at all. No. Um, you know, he re- I think they, they've spoken about his attitude uh, previously. He had a bit of trouble at Bruges, which is he came from Bruges to Watford and they spoke about he had a couple of disciplinary issues and attitude issues and stuff like that. But I mean, so far at Watford, he's just been unbelievable for them. He really, really has. Mm. And the only reason they're going to be in any chance of staying in this league is because of is because of him. You know, really, really is. And I'm sure he's waiting to get his boy, uh, it's made a sar back as well. Mm. Um, Senegal called him up and Watford said, listen, he's injured. And Senegal says, well, we want to see him anyway. So I believe he's gone and he's going to be assessed by the Senegalese doctors. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether they... I don't know whether they think he, he might be able to play a part later on in the competition. I think he's probably going to be ruled out for the uh, for the group games. Um, but you never know. You have to wait and see. It's an interesting idea, wasn't it? Maybe they should have left him with Watford for those those one or two weeks or whatever it is for the group stages and then yeah. brought him over. Because maybe his recovery here might have been um, maybe of a higher standard or something like that or a quicker recovery. Possibly. Possibly. I think, I think obviously, when the, when the issue arose with Emmanuel Dennis, then the eye was on Watford, and maybe Senegal thought, you know what, maybe these guys aren't being completely straight with us here, and yeah. and this is one of our big players, like you know, it's made us He's been talking about, um, you know, making moves to the likes of Liverpool and Man United in, in recent seasons. Mm. He's a young player, um, good finisher, creates. He's quick, you know, uh, he's a good footballer, the kid. So I'm sure that's somebody that Senegal would have wanted. Yeah. Plus, it's, you know, it's, it's their equivalent of us losing Mane and Salah. Absolutely. You know, that's that's the level. Absolutely. Of yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it is. 100%. Absolutely. Um, I had a quick look at the betting as well, because I know we we like our show beat the bookie, of course. Um, Do we dabble? Um, I, I, I don't know whether we're going to dabble or not, but um, we, we'll have a look anyway and we'll see. We might put together maybe a, a couple of charity bets or something as the tournament goes along. Mm-hmm. But... Um, there's not a there's not a huge amount of value out there because it looks like uh, our friends over on Paddy Power, your friends, um, they've done their homework on this tournament because you look at the first two games, Cameroon one to two one, and uh, Cape Verde seventeen to twenty, so they were two kind of half favourites, so they, they got it right. Even though I know Cameroon had to come from behind, um, but they they obviously know their stuff. It was an interesting one because Burkina Faso are eleven to two. Um, but then you look at look at the outrights. If you look at the outrights, favourites Senegal are favourites at seven to two, and uh, nine to two Algeria, six to one Egypt, um, which I thought was a decent price. Now six to one for Egypt because it's great value, isn't it? Yeah, and then seven to one for the Ivory Coast. 
Um, but I would imagine the winner, depending on how it all pans out, is going to come from those four, I would imagine. You'd have to think so, you know. Um, four of the powerhouses of, of African football, you know. Um, Senegal and the Ivory Coast, and then Algeria and, and Egypt, you know. Um, yeah, I suppose, like, could you put Nigeria up there? Like, it's hard to say at the minute because I think they've they've been going through the mire a little bit, Nigeria, haven't they? Um, yeah. The results haven't been great. I think mm. we're used to seeing, you know, really, really good Nigerian teams over the last number of years. Yeah. But I, I, I think, and I don't know whether this is going to cause a little bit of a ruckus, but I think one of the issues now is that if maybe if maybe I'm a, I'm a Nigerian player, but I become eligible maybe for another country through citizenship or things like that. Maybe I've been in another country for a certain amount of time or I marry somebody from a certain country or, you know, things like that. I can qualify and play for a different a different country, you know. So I think there's, there's quite a few Nigerian lads playing elsewhere in, the, in international football. I, th- I, think, is- I think with Nigeria, what happened there, and correct me if I'm wrong, the last time we seen them play in a World Cup finals or whatever it was, they quite an aged side. So they yes. hadn't been blooding the youth and bringing the youth through. And I think what happens, what happened was they basically had to recycle again and restart again, basically. So I think that's more the issue but, with Nigeria, if but, I remember well, but, right. but also, I think because they weren't blooding the youth mm. and because there was guys that were on the periphery that probably should have gotten a chance and they didn't, they went, what they other doors are open here? Maybe, yeah. What other doors are open here? And not just Nigeria, by the way. I think this has happened, you know, and... Um, across the continent of Africa. I think this has yeah. happened quite a bit, you know, where mm. we, I mean, you know, let's look Cam- at Patrick Cam- Vieira. Cam- Cameroon would be the same, wouldn't they? Because Cameroon have had, they, they used to be, you know, quite um, competitive and they would make finals and stuff like that. And they had a massive drop-off as well. I mean, we, met, we remember the great days of Roger Miller and he scored. Roger Miller, that's right, yeah. The flag and all that. Absolutely yeah. fantastic, you know, so yeah. Yeah, so it's it, that, that's sad in a, in a sense, you know, that that's happening. Um, but as well, listen, you know, it just goes to show how multicultural this has become. And, and, you know, like, I know we've certainly benefited from it in the Irish setup. Yeah. You know, we have a couple of lads mm. at the minute um, with, with African parents. I know a lot of the lads themselves are born in Ireland mm. and they've come into our team and they've just been amazing. They really have. Chidozi, yeah. Ogbeni, you know, and yeah. the um, Obama, the like the, the lads have been super. Um, the goalkeeper. You know, yeah. Gavin Bazunu, what a goalkeeper. Mm. He's been he he he's been absolutely our best player Amazing. by a country mile. Mm. You know, and and we've we've benefited from from the likes of things like that, you know, yeah. from the influence of, of African yeah. football in yeah. our nation. Um, yeah. and I think a lot of nations around Europe have benefited mm. from that as well, but that's detracted from African football in a sense. Mm. You know what I mean? And um, yeah. because if those lads are playing for for Ireland as Bazunu is, he's not playing for another nation in Africa. Yeah. Um, and and that's you know that's obviously where things have dropped off a little bit there, but it's a uh, you know there's still there's still the talent on show is it's phenomenal. And, and, and the thing about it is those players that you've mentioned there would not look out of place at the Afcon at the moment. They're, they're the likes of Gavin would be absolutely in there, no problem at all. Absolutely, I mean, yeah, 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 really players. would. Yeah, so we, yeah, so we, we we won't crib too much about that being Ireland. I mean, we're very multicultural here now and we're quite happy to take these guys on. Looking at what's come in so far, the work rate is absolutely exceptional. And these guys, the, the work rate, the attitude, the application, they hit the ground running. Brilliant, 
brilliant, brilliant guys, it, brilliant players. I don't know whether you saw the um I don't know whether you saw the post on social media um over Christmas. And it was a there was a it was a father and uh, he had spoke about how at Christmas time usually his son asked for a jersey for Christmas and he always wanted a name on the back of the jersey and for the last number of years it was Messi, Ronaldo, Neymar these kind of guys mm. and this Christmas the kid asked for an Ogbeni jersey for the Irish jersey, the orange jersey no, with Ogbeni yeah. on it you know and it was just right. like he said such a proud moment mm. you know and that, that the lads have come in and done an amazing job and stuff like that. Mm. Uh, I'm very, a very proud moment for that father and stuff like that, that you know, because I think he might have been, um, he might have been of, of African origin himself, you know. Okay. So it, w- it was brilliant for him to be able to go, you know, look, this is what we've done. Yeah. So it was, it was lovely now. It was a lovely story. Yeah. Yeah. The, the one thing I've really enjoyed about this week and, you know, doing a bit of investigative work for the show and stuff like that, I didn't realize the AFCON was going so long. I mean, it, it yes. debuted in 1957. Like, I couldn't believe that, you know, that, like, you know, we've always followed the African, you know, teams through the World Cup finals and all that kind of stuff, you know. But um, our interest in the AFCON, in terms of myself, I don't know about you, but it, it would be relatively new. You know what I mean? Now, I don't mean new as in I haven't followed it, but I mean, it would be relatively new that I look at this in the build up to a World Cup, you know, that kind of way. So, yeah, yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. 1957 was the debut. And funny enough, only three teams, uh, only three teams, uh, the host Sudan, Egypt and Ethiopia took part in the first tournament in February 1957. Brilliant. Interesting, isn't it? The way it has evolved. The way it's evolved, and I mean, you wouldn't think it was as the big powerhouses, mm. you know. Yeah. Um, but obviously, with the westernization of certain countries, things mm. have have matured that way, you know. Yeah. Um, and I mean, we can't we can't argue. The mm. lads are just fabulous athletes. They really, really are. You know, they're, 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 the engine they have on them, the strength and stuff like that. You know, it's like you look at the likes of Thomas Partey and stuff like that, Frank Kessie. You know, another lad we didn't mention earlier, yeah. like Frank the Tank, as I like to call him, because he is just a beast in that in that centre midfield role. Um, a guy I love, a guy I'd love to see. You know, you know how much I want this guy. Yeah. Um, but like th- these are these are unbelievably gifted athletes, even without a football at their feet. They're gifted athletes, you know, and, and it's right that they get the you know the the platform. To go and, and entertain people. But I don't know whether there's a little, and you know, when we when we go to World Cups and stuff like that, especially if our if Ireland aren't at the World Cup, we always tend to pick a country that we want to do well. And yeah. I and I look at the kind of African nations, mm. and and the fans are almost Irish like, or the Irish fans are almost yeah. African nation like. It, you know, a, with it's the a party, it's a party, and it's yeah. color, and it's greens and oranges and yeah. reds, and everything is there, and yeah, it's. Yeah. You know, they're there for a party. Win, lose, or draw, they yeah. are going to absolutely enjoy themselves, you know? Yeah. Um, it's brilliant. It really is. Yeah, kind of. The, the only thing it reminds me close to is, you know, when you see the All Blacks doing the hacker 
it's that kind of thing and it's those you see them and the culture comes out and they're in the stands and the drums and everything is going and it's real it's real tribal but it's fantastic to see like you know what I mean absolutely and, and and the other fans on the other side of the pitch are all cowering away going oh my god what's this kind of thing you know yeah. but it's like it's like it's like as if nearly they're going into war, but it's a celebration of it and stuff like that and all. You know, it's absolutely fantastic. Brilliant. The, Brilliant. Other, the other the other thing that I was really interested in that um the country that's won it the most so far is Egypt. They've won it yes. seven times. And that was another one that I was kind of surprised by. Because when I look back through all those years in the World Cup and stuff like that, I know Egypt at times has been there as well. But I always think of like Nigeria and Cameroon and teams like that and stuff, you know. So um, I, I was a little bit shocked that Egypt were the, the, the front runners with seven. There's a, there's a, there's a strange sort of a, a fad in African football, mm. and, and it's happened quite a few times. And African football doesn't necessarily uh, produce its best on, on its own stage. You know, mm. like there's a lot, been a lot of big favourites, um, Nigeria, Ivory Coast, Senegal, who've gone into tournaments, heavy, heavy favourites. And haven't managed to get over the line, you know. Um, but there's been there's been a couple of like gold medal winning African teams at the Olympics. Yeah, that's a that's a huge one for them. That's mm. where they put their under twenty threes out and stuff like that. And they have a that kind of blend of the, their few overage players with their under twenty threes, and they've really really done well in the Olympics mm. and stuff like mm. that. But I mean, some big big favorites have been beaten in this. You know, I, I remember a couple of years going. Yeah, I think it was I think it was the Ivory Coast and they were like they were nailed on to win it. You know, they were absolutely nailed on to win it. Mm. And he was a quarter or a semi and they were just beating one nil. And then all of a sudden, boom, you know, and it was they kind of went out a little bit toothless and stuff like that. Um, but it's, as I said earlier, the combination of the heat and these pitches, the pitches can be very, very poor at times. Mm. Um I would I would Myself personally love to see a lot of these games played on on English style pitches because I think the quality would go way up, um, you know, because I think through the middle of the pitch where it gets a lot of activity and stuff like that, the ball can just get stuck and it's bobbly and it's, you know, but I suppose you wouldn't have those those amazing fans that were rejoicing about as well if, the if that, we were that, playing the, the culture you know, and the, the vibrancy of the party would be watered down and exactly. replaced by the pitch yeah um, yeah and, and so I it, think I, I think and I think any of the players playing there would probably tell you do you know something we'll put up with the pitch for the party that's involved absolutely yeah, yeah you're dead right absolutely. 100% um, one, of, one of the things I wanted to look at uh, I mean uh, leading scorer Leading scorer, well, I suppose you young know Vincent, well. young well, young oh, uh, who's the leading scorer in African nations football? Yeah, oh, uh, excuse me, in African nations football, leading scorer, I know him well. Um, boom, 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 boom. I know him well. Right there, he's right there. He, you know, <laughs> if I if I said to you, if I said to you, and I think I'm right, if I said to you, Barcelona. Samuel Eto'o. There you go. Boom. Yeah, yeah. Straight Samuel Eto'o. Yeah. Uh, he was actually there, there was quite a few names floating around in the vicinity there, and he was mm. he was up there. But listen, Samuel Eto'o, what a footballer! Yeah. You know, Eight, what a footballer! Eighteen goals over a decade of competing in two thousand. Eighteen goals. Wow. Eighteen goals. Serious. And they player. they I, I remember actually scoring a goal in that famous Cam- Cameroon kit. Do you remember the famous mm. Cameroon kit? Yeah. Do you? 
What mm. was what was what was different about the famous Camarionke? You don't have this one, do you? No, go on. Cameroon played in an Afcon with no sleeves on the jerseys. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's a right. Yeah, very, it, looked, it, looked very, like, it looked like an Aussie Rails jersey. Remember the Aussie Rails? It was a it was a really tight fitting vest yeah. jersey. Yeah. No, very very tight fitting. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And yeah. he's uh, he put a couple in when he was wearing that now. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, um, the, and the jerseys are just amazing. One 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 thing that you'll really like, and you touched on it there when we were talking about the the age of players and guys maybe not getting their chance. The oldest player to play in was one that's close to our hearts. He's a goalkeeper for Egypt, Hassan El Hadri. And what age was he when he played in it? Things about forty two, was he? Forty four in two thousand and seventeen. Yeah, I rem- I actually remember him playing. And mm. um, yeah, that's right. That's they might have won it that year, Egypt. I think they did, yeah. I think, I think they might want to dish that year, yeah. 44. Wow, that's yeah. phenomenal, isn't it? Mm, absolutely. And the youngest 44. player, the youngest player to feature and score was um a Gabon player, uh Shiva Enzigo, I think is how you pronounce it. Again, correct me if I'm wrong, folks. I am I am I'm doing my best here. <laughs> I'm doing my and best. how old were we? He was 16 years and 93 days. Wow. That's phenomenal, isn't it? So there's there's one end there's of the spectrum two, uh, to the I other mean, end of the spectrum. That that goalkeeper could have legitimately been his father. That goalkeeper could nearly legitimately be his grandfather. He's nearly three times his age. Wow. So there you go. Um, and the only the only other interesting Afcon fact that I came across was the fact that there's been three different trophies. Okay. Three different trophies since the tournament started. So there you go. I know we've had what it's two in the World Cup, isn't it? We've had two different ones. We had the original kind two. of smaller one, and then we have the, the golden that we know. The Jules Remey. That's it. Um who are we um who are we gonna pit our our master Noel? Are we gonna are we gonna call out a couple of couple of finalists? I don't know, depending on what way, depending on what way to draw and all. Pulls out. I mean, obviously, you're looking at Senegal and Egypt, aren't you? Really, they're they're the two, and maybe Algeria. That's Senegal there. and Egypt, and that's Mane and Salah's teams, Salah. isn't it? And then Algeria, Mad. Algeria with a uh, red red Maras, isn't it? Algeria. Yeah, Algeria been solid in it for a few years now. Yeah. Um, they're really, always, really always there or thereabouts. Yeah, uh, very good going. Uh, very good defensively, Algeria. Very, yeah. very good, solid and stuff like that. Mm. They used to have the lad that played for Rangers, the centre back, mm. used to play a lot of a lot of their games yeah. in it. He was a little bit of a little bit of a ball boy at times, that lad. I can't remember his name now. Um it's evade me, but he was geez, you see more red cards than Santa Claus did, you know. Um, and, and and on that. Which is not unusual in this tournament. <laughs> it's not unusual in this tournament because you know, we, we saw a red today in that Cape Verde game, um, that Cape Verde Ethiopia game, and in the in the game before it's Cameroon and Burkina Faso, we saw quite a number of yellows. The one thing I will say about the Afcon, and uh, again, I'll probably leave myself open for a little bit of criticism here. The standard of refereeing is horrific, horrific. Worse than the Premier League. Worse than the Sunday League. Like, 
horrific. Oh my god, the the Bertrand Traore fell earlier on for the first penalty. The referee had to go. Now he was he was no more than six steps away, from it, and he had to go and view it on the monitor. This is like hundred and twelve percent of penalty all day long. <clears throat> Excuse me, um, but I do get the. I do get the the vibe. Well, well, that at, least, at least we had a ref who went and looked at a monitor. He went and looked at the monitor. He came back and he gave the penalty. I think at times that the standard of refereeing can be quite poor. Um, but I don't know whether there's a little bit of trepidation there on the, on the referee's behalf, you know, because obviously those those stadiums are, are are full of vibrant supporters and they're thinking if things don't go well around here, my I struggle to get out of here, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. This is this is uh, this is like a this is like a Sunday league for us when the the referee uh, doesn't perform. You know what I mean? You know those uh, pitch side parents. Yeah, yeah. This is Mark. Marcus yeah, spoke about them a number of times on the episodes. Absolutely. Tell tell us this and educate me. Have they pitch side monitor for referee or is it full VAR? So they have a pitch side monitor for the referee. Okay. Um, he, the referee in the in the Cameroon game was was told to go and look at the monitor. Um, so there is a so there is there is an element of VAR. there is there absolutely okay. is an element of VAR okay. absolutely. But the pitch side monitor, the pitch they were on today, the the monitor was a little bit away, okay. Um he had to go over a hoarding to get to it. Okay, uh, and then I think even there was like an athletic track around the pitch, and he was. Heading that direction, like you know okay. what I mean. Yeah. So yeah, he he wasn't he like you know really wasn't pitch side, let's say, mm. but um he he got to the right decision in the end. That's the most important thing. Awesome. I mean, it's a it's a penalty all day long. Second one as well. Second one's a mental tackle in the Cameroon game. Just, but I, you could just see the exuberance in the guy that made it. Mm. And the Cameroon lad, or sorry, the Burkina Faso lad who made the tackle, like he was so hell bent on getting that ball. And the, mm. one of the Cameroon players came down the left hand side, and his first touch wasn't great, and it mm. pushed the ball a little bit too far ahead of him. Yeah. And then the centre back that was coming across, and as he was coming in, he just got to the ball first to touch it, and as he touched, the centre half came in. And clean them out, like kind of being sideswiped in a car, <laughs> and, uh, and and the referee pointed to the spot fairly quickly for that one. I have to tell yeah. you, uh, thankfully, you know. But the, just keep a little eye on that. We yeah. may see a few questionable decisions over the course of this this month of five weeks. You so know? for you, beat the bookie fans. Anyone who's doing bets on numbers of cards or points related to that or red cards or penalties. Exactly. That's where you could potentially make a few bob this month at the AFCON. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Very, that's and, and that's that's thinking that's taken up there. That's there's, there's a very, absolutely right. There's a very fine line between competitive nature and naivety, isn't there? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And 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 and, exo- and as we said, over exuberance, you know, yeah. guys really looking to do their nation proud. Just yeah. being half a second too late, and you know, yeah. cleaning and, somebody's and, and, and absolute there, and clock. Is there, and is there anything <laughs> worse being a player that going in for a hard challenge and then feeling foolish after it? Like you know, like you, you because know. he re- like this guy yeah. really did everything he could. Yeah. But again, you know, football now is at the stage where players are so in in all leagues in the world, 
players are so quick. Mm. If you're just slightly out, you can look so, so silly at times. That's probably another draw for the AFCON as well, though, because because we, we follow the Premier League so much, lads don't tend to get stuck in, and you've given out about it so many times that you've mm-hmm. missed that. So we can yes. enjoy it for the next month at the AFCON, lads just getting absolutely stuck into lads, you know? Yeah, yeah, that, there's a lot of that, but there's also a lot of the, you know, was he just, sh- oh, man down, was, was, was he just shot, you know? And the, in the lead up, in the lead up to the Burkina Faso goal earlier on, mm. Bertrand Traore had a header cleared off the line. Yeah. And as the Cameroon player cleared it off the line, he headed it off the line and then like dived as if he'd been shot and ended up on the ground. It was, it was pure brilliance. And he was like, oh, oh, like this. And, and then, and then the ball came back in and Andre Onana, the OX goalkeeper who had been out for doping, Looked like he'd maybe be dabbled earlier, previous to the game. He came for a cross and he was like this far away from me. And the ball came all the way over his head. He went out with his left hand to get it. He got nowhere near it. And one of the Bikino Faso players was standing behind him and just side footed into an empty net. You thought, oh, did that really happen there? What happened there? Where's the keeper and all of this? He took off like a, like a jumbo jet going to claim that ball and got no near so, it. So we, we need a trophy for this tournament that's somewhere between the Ballon d'Or and the Oscar and the Golden Globe. Yeah, l- and listen, if we can anybody, put those three together, we have a perfect trophy for this tournament, doesn't it? Absolutely. And any, anyone, any of our listeners that are watching it, Sky have this for the next couple of weeks, you know. Yeah. Um, you'll really, really enjoy these games. Yeah. Um, you know, the colour, obviously, and the and the festival, as we've spoken about, and stuff like that, the, it, but, but also during the games, yeah. the, just the, the carry on. Yeah. Like, I can't even put it anywhere. I can, I, can the, it in your, I can see it in your face here, the enjoyment of it when you haven't got was, an investment in it. You know, when it, you're not invested exactly, in it, but you can just exactly. sit back and enjoy it for what it is. Yeah, myself, myself and the older lad, we watched the Cameroon game earlier on. Yeah. And there was stages in it where we were just in fits laughing. Yeah. You know, it was like it was like carry it's, on it's football. Pop, it's, it's popcorn time, isn't it? It was like they were at sixes and sevens defending, and you know, the ball was coming in, and guys are like Superman heading the ball out, and yeah. then it was just brilliant, yeah. but it was so enjoyable. Mid, mid like game, said, mid game, you get you get you get centre halves becoming strikers. And well, like this is now formation. The lack of um, you know, the lack of formation and tactical now is yeah. brilliant because it just led to you know that passion and that pride and lads just yeah. going for everything. And you just thought this is what we like. Yeah. You couldn't have looked at either of those two games and gone, well, they were boring pieces of shit. Because they weren't, you know, mm. like, and, and yeah. how many times have we looked at international football recently and thought, oh my God, that was dreadful to watch. Mm. This is not going to be dreadful. People are going to look at this and they're going to go, wow, that was great to watch. Very entertaining. There's yeah. serious entertainment value in this, I have to tell you, though, you know, Absolutely. with a, a lot of top, top footballers on display. The goal of the, I'm going to, I'm going to tag you up now. The goal of the competition, uh, on this will be unbelievable because you'll see it. You'll see loads of absolute screamer scored on this. Yeah, really absolutely. will. Looking forward to a whole month of this. It's going to be amazing. Um, we had a look at a couple of players to watch. I mean, obviously you've named a few already, but I I, I picked out a few. 
um, that aren't necessarily your Mo Salas and your Sadio Mane's and your yes. Keitas and Aubameyang's, the ones that everyone kind of knows, you know, your Riyad Mahrez and all. So the first one that came out was Carl Toka and Kambe. Yes. Um, plays up front for Leon in the French fourth division. Mm-hmm. Um, good, good footballer, you know, plays Champion League football, scores. Um, he's really active. He, he took, for, for Leon, he tends to play down that left-hand side or up front. Um, so he's a, he's a left-sided forward, but he's a very, very good player. He's quick, likes a goal, you know, really, really good. There's me phone. Down the kamikaze dive again. There we go. And we're back. Um, just really, really good footballer, Carl Toto Kambe, I have to say. Um, next, next one I have in was uh, Mohamed Bale. Um, plays for Guinea, but has scored nine of their 20 league goals for Clermont Foot. In That's France. right, in the French Forest Division. That's right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they just come up. Um, his strike rate, actually, in Ligue 1 is phenomenal. Um, his, his shots, his goals per shot ratio is, like, way up there in the top five in the league. Um, and again, and he's young. You know, he's hungry. He's got pace. Lots of good stuff going on there. Yeah, absolutely. Bale, this, great this, this potential shop window for this guy? 100%. This guy is already put himself in the shop window, what he's done with Claremont Foot this season. Mm. So so now this is this will be the flashing lights on top of the shop window. Mm. Uh, one you mentioned earlier, uh, Papa Sar. Um, yeah, yes, but he's a Spurs player. Uh, Spurs fans won't know a whole lot about him because um, he hasn't played for Spurs yet. Um, they signed him from Mets and they loaned him straight back to straight Mets. Back. Um, he hasn't lit it up in France this season, but this kid's very, very good. He's really, really exciting. Plays down that right-hand side. Um, he's an attacking winger. He's got it all. Absolutely. Speaking of attacking wingers, Kamaldine uh, Suleimane, or Suleimana. Suleimana, the boy from, from Ghana. Yeah, and he plays for Ren. That's right. Again, so as we spoke about it earlier, French football, you know, it's full of African players. Really, really good. And this is what we spoke about previously, about how, how France, for me, the tempo in France is much closer to the Premier League than the likes of Spain or Italy is. The, the tempo in Spain and Italy is a lot slower. The, the, the tempo in France is much, much quicker. And I think that's why a lot of English teams will look to French teams when they're trying to sign players, but also why a lot of the players seem to work better. You know, you, you might take the best player out of Ajax, Donny van de Beek, comes to the Premier League, can't cut it. You might take, you know, a squad player from Rennes. And, and he can be a really, really good player because the standard in that league is so much better, you know? Mm. And, and, and the tempo is so much quicker. Yeah, the other guy I picked out was Sofian Buffal, um, another player that you're aware of. Yeah, I mean, Buffal was at, was at Southampton mm. and, and really, really flattered to deceive there, you know? Um, he's a good, good footballer. Southampton fans didn't see the best of this kid at all. You know, um, say, he's I'd gone off. The, the governor would love to have him right now, wouldn't he? You see, I don't know because he he was there at Southampton and, and he didn't seem to light it up at all. You know, he really, really didn't. Um, but he's a super footballer, Sofian Buffal. He really is. He's, he's a huge name in African football. Mm. You know, if you mention Sofian Buffal to an African, they'll go, oh, wow, super. Whereas we had him in the Premier League and because he didn't light it up, he kind of went unknown, which is a shame as well, you know. Yeah, he's been involved, I look today, eight of their 26 goals, and he's netted five himself. Yeah, yeah, knows where a goal is. Very, very creative. He's he's not necessarily, you know, he doesn't get lots of width, 
but he's very, very clever. He's a little bit of a midfield schemer, like a number 10. He plays like little balls in behind mm. defenders. Really clever little footballer. Like that tactical, very, very good. Tactically, very, very good, you know? Yeah, next guy I picked out was Joe Aribo. Plays for Glasgow Rangers. Any, any Aston Villa fans, have a look at this kid. He could absolutely end up at Aston Villa. Stevie G, massive fan of Joe Aribo. Um, has lit up the Scottish Premier League, Joe Aribo. Not just with his goals, but also with his work rate. This kid's work rate is phenomenal. Really, really is. Um, very distinctive kind of a hairstyle Joe Aribo has, but a really good footballer. And uh, I would say maybe the next 18 months, we'll see him in the Premier League. I'd be yeah. shocked if we don't. Another one that our, our French League fans would be aware of, Youssef Atal, um, who plays for, sorry, where am I? Algeria and he's ranked amongst the top 10 <laughs> defenders in League One yeah very very solid at all you know um, he's, he's big and he's strong and stuff like that uh, he, he's he's one of the lesser known names in in the Algerian squad but that doesn't mean necessarily he's not one of the one of the bigger players for this occasion because you know if he shows up and, and this competition goes very very well for him and for Algeria again this is shop window time Mm. And at a time as well where a lot of clubs are looking for good defenders. 100%. Um, a man we don't have to mention too much who I think is definitely going to use this as a shop window, Frank Kessie. My boy, Frank the Tank. Yeah. Um, yeah, listen, I don't know. I can't say any more about Frank. I just think he's phenomenal. Mm. I really do. Um, he's an engine in that midfield. You know, so, so strong. Can create can defend, he's comfortable with the ball at the sea. He does it all for me, you know. Yeah. No explanations there. Just yeah. just a top, top footballer. I mentioned him a lot today in our Liverpool match reaction. Um, I think he'd be a great footballer for Liverpool as well. I think our midfield has become a little bit stale and a little bit stagnant. And I think it needs a bit of energy put in there and might be something to consider in January. So there you go. And we'll finish out with Tunisia. Eli, how do I do this now? Ilias, Ilias, Sakir, here he is. It. Yeah, yeah. That's that's how I. Yeah. Stumble through it myself. Yeah, score three um, goals for clown. Yeah, that's right. Um, hasn't maybe shown on the international stage just yet, mm. but he's one of those players that this for him will be his first taste of of real tournament football. Mm. Um, and again, you know, we we've, we've mentioned it number number of times throughout the show. This is the shop window for a kid like this, you know. Mm. He's obviously at with Cologne, and 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 obviously, you know, we we in in, in England certainly we look at Germany and and we make an awful lot of decisions based on how things go for for players in Germany. And this kid could be another one down it's, the uh, conveyor belt. Yeah, I think his ball winning stats when I looked at today are outstanding. He's a serious ball winner in midfield. Yeah, so, yeah, so good from that point of view. They're they're the players I looked at. Yeah, some some phenomenal talent, and again. Mm. A lot of those aren't the bigger names, you know. Yeah. Uh, you'd maybe argue Frank Kessie, but I mean, other than that, like, you know, we haven't mentioned the Manes, the Salas, the mm. Edward Mendes, the Obama Yangs, the Thomas Partey's, you know, there's so, so many. Mm. Um, you, you'll be surprised when you look at these games and when you look at the teams, you'll go, oh, yeah, know him. Oh, yeah, know him. I know him. And all of a sudden you go, just mm. five or six of these lads I know mm. from European football, from big, big leagues yeah. in European football. And any of the ones you don't know, keep your eye on them because you'll know them by the end of the tournament. 
Yeah, or you, or you, you might certainly know them. They might be on the back of your jersey by the end of the season. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Well, listen, pleasure having you on to preview the AFCON. I know it's kicked off with two games today. Um, but yeah, an absolute pleasure. And listen, we're going to follow. We're going to do a show once a week on this. And we're going to update people and see yeah. who are pick out our players, pick out our picks, maybe do a couple of charity bets on the way and stuff like that and have a bit of fun with this tournament. Um, sometimes there's just not enough fun in football and we want to have a little bit of fun this month in football, especially with everything that's going on. So as always, drop into the comments. If I didn't pronounce something properly or I got something wrong, let me know and I'll correct it on the next show. If you want to contact us, Gmail, the Upper Tier Podcast. You'll get us on Twitter at the underscore upper underscore tier. You'll also get us on Facebook and Instagram, the Upper Tier and you'll get us definitely on TikTok throughout the AFCON without a shadow of a doubt. We will be dropping clips on TikTok now without Darren's in shock at some of this stuff that might go on in this tournament, and he will be letting us know, and we will be clipping that for TikTok. Yeah. Pleasure as always, my friend. Thanks, brother.